You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Today we present part two of our Brewer's Guide to the Brothers War, with a look at all the cards three mana value and above. Can these fearsome war machines make the cut in Modern or Pioneer? We'll find out today on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am David Robertson, coming to you from the Twin Cities, and I'm joined by my man from Buenos Aires. He is Mordekaiser. Mord, what's going on, buddy? Hey, yo! Always a pleasure, David. Always a pleasure. We just went through a million chew drops. I'm super happy to be with you guys for the few remaining cards. But more importantly, Shine Barrow, CEO, all the way from the other side of the world, Cape Dan, how are you doing? I don't even want to be here right now. These cars cost way too much mana. <laughs> way too much we mana. We have playable three drops done, and we owe it to the community <laughs> to talk about the playable three drops. Even about the playable eight drops. Threes and fours. It's our duty. <laughs> the Brothers War spoiler is complete. We are going to finish our spoiler analysis. Uh, for people who listened to our last episode, we... Went through the last big dump of cards we got from the zero CMC to two CMC. We did a lot of cards. There are significantly less playable cards left here from three to infinity, uh, as Dan would say, literal infinity. Uh, by the new <laughs> newfangled definition of literal, that means not literal. Um, but before we do that, we just want to give a quick shout out that if you are interested in the podcast and you'd like to support us, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash faithless brewing. Join at whatever level is comfortable for you. You get access to the Discord. You get access to some merch. Um, yeah, you get to join the community. You get to join the fun. So, um, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff happening on there. Lots of discussions happening about these cards. You can uh, get more riled up about the playability of some random two-drop that isn't very good. And, uh, you know, just normal stuff. Just the usual. Such a lot of fun. All right, let's jump into this. The first three-drop I want to talk about is Lauren of the Third Path. Two and a white human artificer, 2-1 Vigilance. When Lauren enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment, and then tap you and target opponent each draw a card. So it's a new Rexage. It's the first white Rexage. Yeah. Like, just straight up 3-2-1 Vigilance when it is destroyed would be super interesting for me. But the question is, is the tap text flavor text or actually relevant? Tap you and target opponent each draw a card. So this is actually... That text is actually super relevant in Legacy Death and Taxes, where this will, of course, you play as a recruiter target, likely in the main deck, if not, of course, in the sideboard, where you don't only have Caracas to bounce and replay this, because it's legendary, but you also play four, a full playset of Spirit of the Labyrinth in the main deck, where the tap ability becomes you draw a card. Hmm. Huh. It's also great with Notion Thief. It's great with um, Narset. And it's not bad with uh, Shieldred. 
Like, okay, yeah. you guys each draw a card, but it just zaps them each time. Yeah, lose two, gain two. Perfect. I don't think this is a bill around. I think this is just one of the best reclamation stage effects we have had, and seems like a pretty good addition to any white deck. It's a uh, collected company bull in like humans or whatever. Vigilance is not insignificant in humans, where this will get additional counters. Also, aggressive decks always are willing to give the control deck a card as long as they get to draw a card. So, like, swing with these, hit for two, and step open and draw a card, you draw a card, and you end up with an extra card. It's like a howling mind that triggers for you first. Perfect. All right, next card up Brotherhood's End. One red, red sorcery. Choose one. Brotherhood's End deals three damage to each creature and each planeswalker, or destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less. Great card. So it's your sweeper that also can pick off any planeswalkers, or it's kind of a shatterstorm, I guess. The fact it's both for just three mana for me is pretty huge. Also, it's a sweeper that hits planeswalkers, which is sometimes relevant. It's also just really good against Karn, right? Like, Karn finds artifacts, this destroys them, and then if Karn's at three, which is a natural play pattern, this kills Karn. And we just talked about all these sweet new Karn wishboard targets, so that's interesting to me. Okay, so you're, you're putting this maybe at the top of the heap of three mana red sweepers. Above Anchor of the Gods, above Sheltering, not Sheltering, <laughs> Sweltering Suns. I think so. I, I mean, anger is relevant if the exile matters, right? And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But I think the default is that the exile does not matter very much right mm -hmm. now in Pioneer. So I think this is would be the best, especially if we think some of these artifacts that we were talking about yesterday uh, were are playable. Then the, the conditional Shatterstorm is actually going to be pretty good. Okay. Nice little tool. What's next? Mechanized Warfare. Yeah, one on double red enchantment. If a red or artifact source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent's control, deal that much damage plus one. So not as good as Torbrand, but a lot harder to remove and cheaper. Yeah, it also affects artifacts, which is kind of interesting with the blue-red 2-1 that makes artifact creatures. Oh, this yeah. triggers that, that creature. Uh, and then makes the creatures much more threatening, so that's kind of interesting to me. The fact it's also all your sources and literally to an opponent or a permanent opponent control, so it's good against planeswalker creatures, whatever. Like, it's just being effective on everything. Super nice. Because it happens a lot that I play Torbrand or Torbrand has played against me, and I just fatal push it, so Torbrand doesn't do anything. But this card lives, you know, I mean, I, there's ways to kill it, of course, but there's just a lot less. I think those are all good points. I think this probably still is not good enough. Do you think Torbrand is playable, though? No. Yeah. No, no, I think no. if, okay. if Torbrand is playable, this is playable. The alternative is neither is. Well, Torbrand is, a, is a, like a 4-4 by himself, and this is a nothing by itself. Well, we're all in it together. It's not, we're not by ourselves. <laughs> like, Torbrand plus, like, Den of the Bugbear represents 12 damage, right? Yeah. And this particular doesn't. Well, Torbrand Tor is dying, so don't don't talk. I mean, Torbrand is as good as dead. Just put it in the graveyard, and I'll tap two mana and discard a card of your choice. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But yeah, it's a nice card to have in the toolbox to at least consider. And then we go to a card we have already sort of discussed, but I really wanted to get David's insight into this one. 
David, tell me about Gix. Yeah, I heard you guys talking about this Gix Yawgmoth Praetor, and you weren't stoked about it. I think I was. Dan thought it was like not that good, and you were well, yeah. So one black black three three. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card, and then it has this other random ability: seven mana, discard X cards, exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. That is flavor text. Don't worry about that. I think mono black aggro is just going to be a thing. There's so many awesome cards printed for it. And this card at the top of it is so much better than any other black option at three. Uh, it's very easy to go one drop, two drop this, and they won't block your one or two drop or they only killed one of them. And then this is just a free draw card, at least one card, if not more. Yeah, this just seems awesome to me. Huh. Okay. Well, I already said my piece about this when we covered it in the initial preview, but I'm glad to hear that you're bullish on it, David. So that's something. I think I believe in mono black more than mono black players. Like when I play against <laughs> them, I'm like, man, this deck is pretty good. And then no one ever plays it against me. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand what's happening. They're playing these garbage decks instead. <laughs> I have that same feeling. I think mono black aggro is good, but I don't play that no one plays it. So I don't know. Mono black aggro is good, and it's only getting better. That's my lesson of the day. <laughs> well, speaking of garbage decks, um, we, let's talk about this soldier deck for a second. So there were a bunch of soldier cards being pushed in this set, and a couple of these soldier creatures like, kind of intrigued me. The Siege Veteran. I want to talk about the Siege Veteran. It's two and a white creature, human soldier, for a 2-2. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. So that's Luminarch Aspirant, but at three mana. That's fine. Luminarch Aspirant is good. In addition to all that, you get a second bonus ability whenever another non-token soldier you control dies, create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. So what's not to like here? I mean, this, this card seems great to me. I don't think it's great when compared to other three drops that it has. That's my problem. Well, this is a as-yet-unseen soldiers deck, so unless you're saying there's better soldiers at three. I just get nervous if there's a three-mana card with two toughness that doesn't have a come-into-play ability. Like, if you play this and they stomp it, I don't think you can win, and it doesn't matter what happens on the rest of the turns of the game. I agree with that. It's Luminarch Aspirant. It's just Luminarch Aspirant. No, Luminarch Aspirant costs two mana. <laughs> That's a really big difference. It costs 50% less mana than this. <laughs> but it also protects you. I mean, it protects you. I don't know. I wish I wish it triggered when it when it died. I'd be a lot more interested. I, I, I don't know why it had to be another non-token soldier. I feel like this card is not overpowered if it gave you a 1-1 back. Yeah, that's super unnecessary. Do you think that this is the better three drop than Sky Strike Officer Dan, which is two blue human soldier flying when it attacks, create a 1-1 soldier, and then tap three untapped soldiers you control to draw a card? Well, the Siege Veteran is, is white, and that just makes it more likely to end up in Soldier decks, specifically in a blue-white deck. I don't think you're ever going to see a Soldier's deck without blue. Like, it's either the advantage of just being mono-white humans, or you go into blue for the Soldiers. That's at least my reasoning. What, for the 3-2 Delver of Secrets that we talked about, and the <laughs> and the 3-2 Rattle Chains Bouncer? I mean, yeah, yeah I, well, I don't the Rattle know. Chains Bouncer is so sweet. Rattle Chains Bouncer is super good. <laughs> I didn't think that card was good, and Dan was just like, oh, what if you did this? I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what I was doing. You could recast Raven Inspector. That's all it took. You recast Raven Inspector? I didn't know that was legal. <laughs> Two clues in play that I'll never have time to crack before I die? It just seems so sweet. Perfect. 
I do like the Sky Strike Officer a little bit better than the Siege Veteran. But the Siege Veteran, I think, is just a more straightforward aggro card. I think both of them are good cards. I just think, unfortunately, the way like the removal in the format lines up, they just aren't going to be good enough. As Dan likes to say, if you don't get something when a three-mana spell comes into play, you really have to blow me away if I untap with you to <laughs> entice me. Hmm. All right, David, take us to our next card. All right, Tokajia's Welcome. Two and a white enchantment. Whenever one or more creatures with mana value three or less enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. Sell me on this. I'm not buying it. Yeah, so there's a vampire that exists right now. It's two and a white for a two, three flying that basically has this text. And it it has seen a, a bit of play in standard and I would say fringe play in pioneer. This effect with like let's just say um, like cat oven is just like a free draw every turn. And uh, it also allows you to draw on your opponent's turns. Like the cat oven lets you put the cat in play on your opponent's end step. So you draw for that. If you cast a spell on your turn, you get another card there. It just seems like that's probably worth it to me as, as, as like a post sideboard, like grind type of effect uh, in mid range matchups. Just to clarify, the vampire you're talking about is Welcoming Vampire. That one draws on creatures' power two or less. This one is creatures' mana value three or less. So it is slightly different. Yeah, sli- yeah exactly. Slightly different, but functionally very similar, yeah. I guess, is what I would say. Like, there's a huge main diagram of creatures that trigger both. This triggers on tokens, though. So if you have random token makers... Yeah. Like you're you're triggering young pyromancer. I'm I'm I know I'm naming cards from a bunch of different colors here, but the the cat oven ability to just like gain life, stabilize, and now you're drawing like almost three cards in a turn cycle is really intriguing to me. And this is very hard to interact with. The cat uh, oven cycle is very hard to interact with, etc. Okay, I think three mana is probably just going to be too much for this effect, but it is it is good at the things you're describing. I agree. I, I don't think this is going to get there, but I think you should at least consider it if you are trying to really like outgrind mid-range decks. They won't be able to beat that effect. Can you beat the other decks in the format? No, you cannot. All right, Dan, what's next? So, Forging the Anchor 2 in a blue sorcery, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal any number of artifact cards from among them and put the reveal cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I mentioned this card mainly because I'm just surprised at how weak it is. Like, there's Leave the Stampede, there's Pieces of the Puzzle. We've seen effects like this. It has to be as good as Pieces of the Puzzle to make the cut. The fact that it's asking you to play a bunch of artifacts and then also play this sorcery in the deck that doesn't chain into itself, um, it's just kind of disappointing to me. I'm surprised that they went this route. Isn't this exactly Lead the Stampede, but for artifacts instead of creatures? It is, it is. But okay. Lead the Stampede is not that playable. No, I think it's all like fringe play in modern, right? It's like, in, it's like a post-board sort of like mid-range thing. Yeah, I guess like the Elf decks used to play it main decks yeah. all the time. So with artifact lands, you could probably get your artifact density up to like 45 or something, right? Like... But to Dan's point, you have to play this card, and Dan famously does not like when the enabler is not the type that it's trying to look for. Yeah, and I'm fussy like that. I could just be wrong. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe drawing three or four, as more just saying, is so amazing that we should just be playing this. 
But I think the problem, which t is kind of supporting your point, Dan, is that the artifact enablers right now, like there's an artifact that just draws two, right? The 2-2 two -two flyer. That is an artifact itself. So you, you can play the card that Dan's envisioning, right? The enabler that also <laughs> is the type. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of cards that draw a bunch of cards for artifacts. Um, so this, this is actually competing with a bunch of other stuff. I just added a card there, like super subtle, because I love the design of it. All right, we will, we were jumping back into one mana, so Dan will be happy again. More, tell us about Meticulous Excavation. So just because of the wording on this card, one mana, one enchantment, you may pay three, return target permanent you control to, your, to its owner's hand. If it has an earth, exile it instead, and then return it to its owner's hand. Activate only during your turn. So it's a way to always bounce back your unearth spells before they get exiled on the end step, which is something that was super hard to do. Doesn't the uh, one white blink thing do it? White one? The bl it blinks and Oh yeah, flashes. because it also exiles. So you have two ways of doing it yeah. in this set. Interesting. Also, this card is wildly unplayable. <laughs> yeah, this card is not <laughs> useless. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> What's going on right now? <laughs> All right, we apologize for that. this detour into yeah, terrible cards. <laughs> that, that should not have happened. Dan and I would like to apologize to the listeners of... <laughs> All right, the next card is a card I need to be sold on. You guys seem higher on it than me. Airlift Chaplain. Oh, I'm the only one high on it. Two and a white human cleric. It is a 1-1 one, one flyer. Okay, this is definitely a moored card. So three mana gets you a 1-1 one, one flyer. Yay. Seems pretty sweet. When Airlift Chaplain enters the battlefield, mill three cards. You may put a planes card or a creature card with mana value three or less from among the cards milled this way into your hand. If you don't do that, you get a plus one, plus one counter on your airlift chaplain. You know, it's just a beautiful three mana, one, one counter that flies. I don't need much more from a card. Current is your land drop or a spell. I only like this because it also has the aura planes card, which is something that a lot of creatures of these don't add, and I love it. Well, just, just to be clear, it does not guarantee you a land drop. It guarantees <laughs> you a land drop. Three cards, land drop. I mean, you have plenty of options that are three mana that actually draw a card, if that's what you want to do. And they're bigger than 1-1. One, one Come on, look at, look at three, get a creature or a land, it's guaranteed to draw a card. I'm not going to fight this insolence. The part that I like is, okay, milling three and keeping one is better than drawing a card. Because yeah, we like course. milling. For all the reasons that David is convinced that the uh, zero three excavator common thing is... The best card from the set. set. For you, Mord, it's this other one that does the same thing. <laughs> Imagine if I'm rating this bad boy. <laughs> you can mill yourself out. So it's asking you to play either planes or creatures with mana value three or less. I mean, are you willing to build around those restrictions just for this effect? Maybe. I'm not, but maybe Mord is. I'm always high on a nice two-for-one effect that comes with a flying body attached. What can I say? I'm simple. It has the cleric type line, so you could play it with Archfiend's Vessel and some kind of little reanimator package. Perfect. It finds extraction specialists, so it's, it's doing some stuff. All right, may, maybe. I'll give it a maybe. Let's go. That's more than I needed. So next card. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I propose we go to the four drops. Poor Battlestopper. Alright, I'm in. My Liberator. Mirel Shield of Argive. Wait, we're considering this a, a playable card? No. <laughs> I'm not. No. 
Mural Shield of Argive is good. It's a legendary right, creature. Talk to us. Human soldier. 3-4. During your turn, your opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. Looks like trinket text, but it's actually not. Like, this is actually good text. In addition to that, whenever Muriel Shield of Argive attacks, you create X 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature tokens, where X is the number of soldiers you control. So we've been talking about this theoretical soldiers deck. This is the mythic. This is the big payoff. And it's got to be better than it looks. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, this works with Stormseeker, right? Where it gets haste right away and you get at least a soldier. For money so much. I'd rather have Chariot. I think the problem is that Chariot is just so powerful. It's just your like four drop that gets you there on rate. Um, this is not quite as good as Chariot. Now that doesn't mean it's a bad card. There's a lot of room to be not as good as Chariot and not and still very good. But I just think it's a little bit worse than that. I agree with Dan though. The fact that you can play it and if they leave up removal, it's actually quite good against that. It's not good against control. Obviously, it's still very easy to counter at four mana. Um, yeah, for me, this is maybe like just a little bit of a miss, but it would, I guess the thing is like Mono White has so many good three drops and this is like a mana more than them and isn't that much more powerful than more powerful three drops. Realizing that in my head, I thought this triggered on ETB. It does not. It triggers on attacks. So it's yeah. <laughs> probably a lot worse than I think it is. And it has to attack. It's not like Adeline, which I thought was really cool that you could just attack with your, you know, Thalia or whatever and get your 1-1. One, one. Hmm. All right, how about some black cards? Well, we have Faithful Cooperation, which is three and a black sorcery target player, target opponent against control of target artifact you control, draw cards equal to its CMC. So we go turn two, Scion of Kabu, turn four, we give it to your opponent, draw 12 cards. Sorry, Scion of Drago. Oh, God. <laughs> what? <laughs> we get a 4-4, four, four. we draw 12 cards, then we concede. <laughs> You can give the your opponent the bronze bombshell. <laughs> wow. I think I broke that. I mean, does drawing 12 cards act? I mean, I'm intrigued. I shouldn't be intrigued. <laughs> I gave Dan the promise of card draw. I lured him in. Okay, I can't think of any other uses for this, but... No. Yeah, it's sorcery speed. This is not a serious constructed card. I can just meme with it. This is what happens when I don't go through and write skip next to cards before we start recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess we have to talk about these. You all no, can no. put skip next to them. It doesn't have to be Okay, me. I'm going to go to the true next playable card. Obstinate Baloth. Look at David. David's face. I just skipped so many cards David wanted to talk about. No, I'm fine. So, Obstinate Baloth then. Perfect reprint. Yeah, so... Yeah, added to Pioneer. Obviously, it's been in Modern for many a moon. Two green green for a 4-4. Four, four. When it enters play, you gain four life. And then if a spell or ability an opponent controls cause you to discard it, put it onto the battlefield instead of putting it in your graveyard. So people were very excited for these types of effects when Liliana got printed. It turns out Liliana is not very good in the format. It does not see very much play, although it sees some play. The one thing I think people forget about is this works with Graveyard Trespasser. And I've gotten people a lot with Orvar. Uh, target the Trespasser even with an effect that might not kill it and you get to choose this to discard that is your opponent's effect that's causing it. Yeah. So you can get very tempo positive Obstinate Bailoth. You can do it in response to them attacking with Trespasser to eat the Trespasser, which I highly recommend. Uh, and I think it's just fine against all the aggro decks. It's an okay uh, deck against like Mono White, for instance. It's not like backbreaking, but 
it's you, you'd board it in. So I, I think this card's worth it. I think it's worth it. It's a good cyber card. Yeah, that that line against the trespasser. I did not realize that you could do that against graveyard trespasser. Oh yeah, you still have to target it somehow. But I mean, maybe you're playing that split card, lay the land fight that we talked about. Yeah. Oh, after that, we go to a fine planeswalker if we can get a fast ultimate, Saheli Felix Remaster. Two a blue and a red for a Saheli planeswalker, enters with three counters, plus one, scry one, you may tap an untapped artifact if you do draw a card, minus two, make two thopters, they gain flying until they gain haste until end of turn, minus four, so immediately after it enters just one turn, you get an emblem with artifact creatures you control, get plus one, plus one. And artifact spells cost one less to cast. What do we think? Yeah, so there's a few effects that cause this ability to cost less. Uh, Dan's favorite, uh, two, a green and a black, three, five, dude. Let's you place a Helian immediately ultimate her. Um, there, there's other effects that let you do that too. I just don't know what you get for the ultimate. Uh, it, it's an interesting ultimate, but it's not obviously, it's not generically powerful, right? You have to have a deck that really synergizes with it. The plus one is kind of interesting to me. You get to tap your like howling mind like effect if you want. Um, so like your opponent doesn't get to draw the extra card from howling mind and you get to draw. There are no artifacts like that in Pioneer, which is unfortunate because I think a four mana planeswalker that just pluses to draw is actually a little better than the average four mana planeswalker in the format. If you look at like Soren, it pluses to draw and you lose life. Um, so yeah, this is really interesting. It's really interesting design. I don't know how good it's going to be, but I, I think it's really well designed. I agree. It's super close to being good. I, like, it might even be good. Plus one, draw a card almost. Like, scry one, draw a card. That's a huge plus one. And super easy to achieve in an artifact deck. Dan doesn't like it. No, I just like the minus two. I feel like if I cast this, I'm just going to minus two every time. Get two Thopters and attack. <laughs> For two damage. Interesting. <laughs> I, all right. I like, kind of like that. Also, with the emblem, they, they become two twos. It's like a Gideon emblem. Interesting card. It's weird. I'm never going to make it to the emblem because I'm making Thopters. <laughs> What's an emblem? I'm just Thoptering. Dan just wants to play one way. <laughs> exactly. Are we going to talk about Tokasia and one of the weirdest activated abilities we have ever seen or skip? No, Tokasia is garbage. Perfect. So, the next card, coming from the offshoot cards that are like for Commander instead of for, instead of in the real set that are legal in the set, so Corbold. We have Woodcolor Automaton, 10 mana, 8-8. Eight, eight. Why is it here? Because it has Prototype. So you may cast this as a 4 mana, 3-3, three, three, double green, and 2. If you cast it, when it enters the battlefield, untap target land you controlled. So... Ritual with Karn and Nyxos. Literally go up on mana. So it untaps the land you control, and then it turns that land into a tree folk creature with base power and toughness equal to the word Woodcolor Automaton's power and toughness. So this is literally a ritual you can get with Karn. Which is insane. Yeah, I don't think this is that good. I have seen a lot of times in Pioneer where they're missing a few points of devotion, and being able to get extra devotion with Karn seems huge. So what do I need to have for this to be a ritual that goes up mana? I need Nykthos, I need Karn, and I need how much devotion? Two. 
three because this is plus two on its own. Like this has two devotion. And then you guys also have to have two mana floating. Like I think the sequence of turn, the sequence of mana you have to have, you're probably winning anyway. Like in that scenario, isn't um like Henge gonna almost be as good? I think this that the thing is Henge needs creatures and a bunch of them. This doesn't. This needs a Kiora and a flip troll. F freaking flip troll having three that three green peeps is super annoying. I think this card's gonna have to beat me a few times before I believe that this gets okay. card banned. I suddenly think it will. But yeah, we have a few of these cards straight up from the commander part of the set. You know, the weird things. You also have a dog that fogs all damage that will be done to your soldiers. 5 mana, 3-3 three, three flash. Super cute. Oh, the soldier's deck keeps getting better and better. You just need your 5-drop dog soldier. Oh, it's a soldier. Also a dog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with that being said, we can go to the 5-drops. All right, so this isn't only a Pioneer exclusive type of new effect, but Repair and Recharge is three white-white sorcery. Return target artifact, enchantment, or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Create a tapped Power Stone token. The Power Stone token, you know, may be good or bad, but five mana without it, four of it having to be white to get back a enchantment or planeswalker uh, is something that doesn't exist in Pioneer right now. So that's at least worth thinking about if there's a very expensive planeswalker that you want to get. Um, or a very powerful enchantment. Uh, there's there's a handful of cards you might at least consider for for this type of card. Doesn't Albzadat's Aid do that for five? Or is that not legal? Well, it's oh, not no, good. I think you're right, Dan. It's not playable, but this is mono white, so that's something. And that Power Stone, gotta love the Power Stone. Yeah, it might be critical. <laughs> <laughs> so the only similar one is four peeps, right? Like four, quadruple white. Yeah, which has seen some like fringe play, but you basically have to be like mono white. on mono white. The 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 splash is very hard in Pioneer. Yeah, at most are tiny bottles. So another uh white card, or uh, at least nominally white, it's colorless, is Platoon Dispensary. So five mana artifact creature construct. At the beginning of your end step, if you control two or more other creatures, draw a card. It's a four-six creature, three and a white. Create a 1-1 one, one colorless artifact soldier creature token. And then it has unearthed two white-white. So yeah, this card is just like super grindy. Another thing is so weird on this card, right? Like again, you draw a card on end step, but it's super weird to have a card like this without any trigger or on hit effect or enter the battlefield effect have unearth. So when you unearth this, you'll get to attack once for four. And then you go to your end step, you you will get that end step trigger. Yeah. So if you have two other creatures, you'll get an extra card back. The effects don't seem to work together to me in a logical way. They're just sort of generic chunks of stats and value. But maybe that's good enough. Yeah, and to your point, I, I agree. I, I don't think there's like synergies to be explored with this card, but I've played against like LA111. He's playing a bunch of like Abzan, Urian type of lists. And there's just like random shitlings in play all the time. And this card would be so good on top of that. Just like a 5-mana 4-6. It's a mana sink for all your extra mana. And it's just drawing a card every turn. Like, it has to be dealt with. Bizarre card. Bizarre design. But yeah, possibly just good enough. Yeah, I like it, though. I might like it. Also, Dispensary. Little marijuana reference there for the kids. 
Oh no! Stop it! We don't have dispensary <laughs> That's actually here. That's actually incorrect translation. The actual card is platoon dispenser. Oh, maybe it's a deep bad. cut. Maybe they had to change it. We don't have that stuff here. <laughs> Marijuana is still illegal in this country. <laughs> uh, another fake white card: Steel Seraph, six mana artifact. 5-4 flying at the beginning of combat on your turn. Choose flying, vigilance, or lifelink. Target creature you control gains that ability until end of turn. Why is it white? Because it has prototype. Prototype, you can cast it for just one white white, and it, instead it will be a 3-3 three, three angel with the same abilities. Flying and the ability to distribute flying, vigilance, or lifelink on your combat step. Yeah, this card seems really good to me. Really? Like giving your Adeline flying uh, so it can get over Shieldred or something. Uh, giving lifelink to something when it, when the race is happening. In the late game, obviously, you can spend six men on the 5-4 version. Vigilance is always the worst of them. Like consistently. Well, but, you know, except for when it isn't. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think this card is really good. It's an angel. There's like an actual angel's deck that exists in the format. Is it is it fair to say that for all of these prototype cards, we should be assuming that you're going to cast the small version every time, and only in extreme circumstances you're going to cast? Well, until un, except for like you know when you get into some crazy mid range battle, but yeah, you should basically just like hold up your hand so you can only see the prototype cost, and then see if you're interested in playing that card. So it's a three three angel for three basically it's white. I mean the angel deck is sort of coming together. It's got Giada now. But, I don't know, is Steel Seraph part of that deck? I don't know if it has to be. I think you just go in, like, mono-white aggro. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there I feel like it's just not as good as the disruptive options. But Yeah, that's, that's what I struggle with. 3 mana 3 3 fly with tiny upside might not cut it. Hmm. Oh, I guess to me, I think, I think the upside is much more than tiny. It can oh, okay. buff itself, it can buff another creature... Yeah, that, that might be the bigger yeah. difference. How relevant giving lifelink slash vigilance or flying is. All right, we have now entered the random rare and mythic artifact creature section. No, no, no. We still have we still have the much chunkier, much nicer, much more beautiful meteorite golem. Cityscape leveler. Yeah, that that is a random mythic artifact creature, as promised. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, if Meteorite Golem sees play, this stops being a random card and it's like a straight limiter Meteorite Golem. So Cityscape Leveler is 8 for an 8-8 Trample Artifact Creature Construct. It also has Unearth for 8. Whenever you cast the spell and whenever Cityscape Leveler attacks. So they're kind of doing a tweak on the Titan Claws. You don't get it when it ETBs. So you're only going to get it once when you unearth. So when you cast it, you get it once, and when you attack, you get it once. But the turn you unearth, you're not getting it twice, unfortunately. Whenever you cast a spell, and whenever it attacks, destroy up to one target non-land permanent. Then its controller creates a tapped Power Stone token. I think it's a nice tool for the current words. Like, if they play Meteorite Golem, this is like one more mana for so many stupid advantages. Like, this is a wing card on its own. Yeah. I think that's kind of the default, you know, because it's trample as well, the fact that if it gets like one attack in, it's destroyed two permanents, and then even if you kill it then, it gets to unearth it again. We're talking about doing up to 16 damage. 
can you just like straight up ramp to this? Is it worth it? Because it doesn't have a come into play ability, I think without the Karn part of it, it seems just worse than the seven mana Titan. I mean, it has a come into play. It's a casty spell. Well, it's it's not a come into play. Like, <laughs> but I'm saying you can't you can't reanimate it. Exactly. You can't. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, you gotta cast it. Yeah. I mean, specifically, you you can't shape a new for it. You can't blink it. They actually kind of nerfed a lot of these this way. They have some kind of clause that you don't really get benefit from blinking these cards. Like some of the next ones we'll see, like they check how much mana you spent every time. So they're like weirdly nerfed, which is maybe a good thing. But yeah, again, I, I think it's, I think this card's kind of interesting. Unfortunately, I think the only use it's going to see is as a one of in a cardboard. But I mean, we're talking about a cardboard that's going to be like 20 cards, so it's not going to be in every cardboard. <laughs> So next we have a staple card for Grixis Medium. Yes. Blade Coil Serpent. Six mana X for a 5-4. When it enters the battlefield for each blue-blue spent to cast it, draw a card. For each black-black spent to cast it, each opponent discards a card. And for each red-red spent to cast it, it gets plus one plus O and gains trample and haste until end of turn. So obviously with the X, you could spend ten mana on it and draw five cards. That's a pretty sweet card. Um, yeah, this is just like the epitome of Grixis mediums. Uh, so of course I love it, but I don't think it's going to be playable. Yeah, I mean, either six mana requiring an ETV, not blinkable, not running, not running madeable. Seems so medium. I think the default, if you could get it every time, would be six mana and it would be a six five trample haste that draws two cards which is pretty good but the thing is like blue red just has better things to be doing in pioneer because of how powerful the delve spells are yeah generally creatures at this size need to have an etb in order to even have a chance of seeing play technically the blade coil serpent does have that but it's that that nerfed thing where you have to actually spend all the mana and that's not good nobody likes spending all the mana yeah. So yeah. So for instance, to Dan's point, like fires, right? This card doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> right. So I don't see much hope for the Blade Quail Serpent personally. Along similar lines, we have the Clay Champion. That's X four. That is X plus four mana to cast artifact creature construct to two. However, Clay Champion enters with three plus one plus one counters on it for each GG spent to cast it. GG. GG. Also, when it enters, choose up to two other target creatures you control for each white, white spent to cast it. You get to put a plus one, plus one counter on each of them. So, a slightly better rate if you're buffing itself with the GG ability, whereas the white, white ability, you know, that locks in your value by distributing it a little bit better. This card is huge. And, you know, we've talked about this for a while, like how much would a four mana 10-10, is that like a playable card without, this is a four mana 8-8, eight, eight, right? Like with no downside, but I don't think it's playable. <laughs> I mean, for white, it's a four mana 6-6, six, six, like four mana 2 that places four counters. That's also pretty big. Yeah, I think we know that four mana 8-8 eight, eight is bad, but if it's like... yeah. White, white, green, green. Now you're looking at a 5-5 five, five that distributes two counters. That's sort of okay. That's actually pretty decent. Four mana five for that boosts two counters. Like a mini Verderous Gearhulk. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. 
I found Virgis Gerald to basically be unplayable, and I was actively playing it on turn three multiple games, so I've kind of lost the thrill for, of, for that card. So if you're telling me it's similar to Virgis Gearhawk, I you've lost me. <laughs> gotcha. What about the Arcane Proxy? I mean, we're going through all these prototype cards. Some of them have got to be good, right? Is Arcane Proxy the card? This card is awesome. This card is almost as good as some of the two drops because it doesn't cost much more than two. <laughs> <laughs> so the key is not the CMC, but how cheaply you can actually cast it. Yeah, so Arcane Proxy, seven mana, artifact creature, wizard, for your wizard's deck, everybody. Prototype, very important. One blue blue for a 2-1. It's a 4-3 at the seven mana cost. When it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, a clause I missed when I was writing my notes here, Exile target instant or sorcery card from your mana value with mana value less than or equal to its power from your graveyard. Copy that card. You may cast a copy without paying its mana cost. So this card in modern can cast a Rhinos out of your graveyard. Uh, in Pioneer, it can cast See the Truth. Um, it can cast Refurbish for you if you uh, hard cast it. Um, Seven mana is a lot to hard cast. True. Yeah, it doesn't have all these sweet effects I thought it had with blinking, uh, unfortunately. No, if this was blinkable, it would be amazing. Yeah. Like, super efficient. So what I'm usually going to get is, for one blue-blue, I get a 2-1 artifact creature wizard that casts instant or sorcery, mandalite two or less. Yes. Yeah. See the truth. You're, you're getting to do... Yeah, uh, you got to cheat the, on this. The three-mana 2-2 two -two that you used to do in Legacy... To draw three, now you get to do it in Pioneer. <laughs> okay, shardless bug. Here we go. Yeah. I think you're going to cheat on this somehow. Also, the fact this costs seven, like actually seven, might be fun for some weird synergy. No, it doesn't cost seven. Just, again, just hold your hand up so you can only see one blue, blue, two, one. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Block the rest. If it's casting a two drop, it's more efficient than Snapcaster Mage. True. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And if you're casting a zero, you're doing what snap can. Yeah, that's the thing. It can flashback rhinos. The thing I can't wrap my head around for these prototype cards is the fact that when you cast them for prototype, it actually changes their color and mana cost permanently. It's devastating. It destroys me psychologically. Yeah, it's really been hard for me. I'm like, oh, then you have this like seven drop in play. It's like, no, you have to remember that you cast it for three which is going to be hard to do like in a paper play. It's like, all right, I, I, of course you're going to default to that. So maybe it's going to be easy to remember, but you're going to like, cause I even, you can see me writing down over and over again, like, Oh, Neo farm. It's like, no, I'm going to mostly play this for three mana. It's never going to be a seven mana card. You know what we need? We need stickers. We need like a little sticker that you can peel and put on top of the, the casting cost. <laughs> so help you remember yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right, so cautiously optimistic on Arcane Proxy. Is that fair to say? No, I'm way more than that. This is a top five card in the set for me. Oh, really? Even even with the... Even though I didn't <laughs> understand what it did and Dan had to correct half of my notes, I'm still in. See the truth, turn three, it's happening. Nothing can stop it now. The other half of the notes died, but we're sticking to that one. So there's a couple prototype cards that I like a little bit better. So there's three more cards. The three of them are prototype. Okay, let's see if we agree on which ones are the good ones. For me, the good one is Skitterbeam Battalion. Nine mana artifact creature construct, 4-4, four, four, with Trample and Haste. 
but it has this amazing ETB effect. I'm gonna read this card as it should be read. 5 mana, 2-2, two, two, Trample Haste. When the battalion enters the battlefield, if you cast it, create 2 tokens that are copies of it. It has Kicker for 4 mana, so you cast it for 9, and then it's 4-4s. Four sure, sure. Inverse Kicker, that's where we are at. So again, we see that if you cast a clause, you're not going to cheat this into play, and I think that's actually necessary to keep this from infinitely creating more and more copies of itself. But, I mean, it's still pretty good, right? I think it's great. 5 mana 6-6 six, six, trouble case divided on 3 bodies, which is super impervious to final push or whatever. Like, they're not tokens. Sorry, they're, they're tokens, but it just, they retain the, the cost. Because there are copies of yeah. it. So you cannot even final push them. So much devotion to red. <laughs> yeah, it's also six devotion to red. Wow. Yeah, so if we imagine like the, um, you know, some effect that changes the damage, right? This is a bunch of multiple sources of red damage. Uh, it's an, a bunch of odd effects, right? With the, uh, the companion, uh, if that's in play and they're all trample. So yeah, there, I think there's a lot to, there's a lot here. Yeah, and the other prototype card that I like is the Combat Thresher. This is, well, okay, should I read the small version? I guess the small version, it's a prototype card, is two and a white for a 1-1 double strike. When Combat Thresher enters the battlefield, draw a card. If you want to pay the full boat, it's seven generic for a 3-3 double strike that when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. I love that it's, this one is made to be blinked, right? Like, it enters, draws you a card, then yes, you to blink it again, get a 3-3 double strike, draw another card. Yeah, this card and the black one are legitimately good with uh, Charming Prince. Which one is the black one? The black one? The one that you kind of poo-pooed. It's like one black black for a 3-3 lifelink, and they have to pay its power to target it. Oh, yeah. And then I think it's like a 7-5 lifelink menace. The Phylexian Snake, Dan. The one you hated. Oh, I know. I just wanted to hear him say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to defend that card because I know you liked it. I just don't see it. I mean, the three. Th well, you have to play a deck where the three life is worth a card. That's you. You kept saying, "Oh, it's not worth a card." I agree. If if you play a mid range deck, it's that's it's not good. You have to you have to make the three mana worth a life, worth a card. Okay. And luckily, there's like fifteen freaking mono black aggro <laughs> cards rolling around. If you want to play white black, you just blink it with this. Uh, cute little prince, and then they have to pay seven life to target it. I mean, you can't even beat it in aggro. You just lose. Like, if that ever happens, the game is over. You just extend your right hand, put all their cards in a bag, and just chuck in the garbage. Huh. Okay. I love this card, though. I, I agree with you, Dan. We've had a lot of three-mana 2-2 two -two double strikers, right? And none of them have been good enough. Uh, this one is a little weaker in terms of power, but the card just matters so much, right? Like, it, they still have to kill it because it's a double-striking threat. But the card matters, and if you choose to blink it to increase its power, which is relevant, uh, you get another card out of it. Uh, it I, th I think this card is, is at least fringe playable. You just love your 3 minus 3 3 black world. Oh, that card's sweet too, but this card draws a card. <laughs> I mean, yeah. This the most magical text in the history of time. Anyone that 1 1 double strike draw a card is pretty bad, but the fact if you're playing like multiple blinks in your deck, 3 3 double strike draw a card is huge. All right, so I think those are the prototype cards that I wanted to talk about, but more, did you want to make a case for any, any of the other ones? I really like the Behemoth. It's not a prototype card. Not a prototype card, though. 
Oh, it isn't. It has. Okay, yeah, forgot about it. I see a cost on the top in an artifact, and, I, and then I read a, sl a lower <laughs> cost below it. And for me, it's all prototype, but with extra text. I have forgotten other abilities exist. So this has Unearth. Totally different <laughs> <laughs> way of cheating this into play. Perennial Behemoth, 5 mana. Artifact creature Beast, it's 2-7. Unearth for green-green. 2-7 and it unearths for green-green. So what does it actually do? Well, all it does is it says you may play land cards from your graveyard. That's super weird. On a 5-mana 2-7, I get a Ramian Excavator effect, or if I unearth it for just one turn, I can play a land on my graveyard. And then attack for two. <laughs> but maybe there's more to it than that, right? I mean, like, because of Unearth, you can do shenanigans. Like, you can temporarily have a 5-CMC artifact in play. And if that's useful to you, if you're going to neoform that or something, or who knows what you're going to do, you're going to donate to the opponent with that three and a black sorcery that snuck into our outline somehow. <laughs> the thing that I love about it, though, so I, I talked about this as a neoform target in my notes. Because it's a card that maybe you just milled over, normally it sucks. Like, you have to play a card, even if it's a cheaper card, you, you know, you played it for Delve and then you neoformed it. You have to get a lot out of that seven or eight or drop or whatever because you basically spend two cards to new format. Playing this out of your graveyard, playing this out of your graveyard, it's not a card, right? If if I yeah. just, you know, cast a black green uh, instant, look at my top five, I take a land or whatever. This is my graveyard. Then on turn four, I can unearth this for two, get a land out of my graveyard. So this is already replacing beyond itself because I again, it's not a card, and then. I neoform it. So I'm basically just playing a four drop for four mana and I got a free land drop out of it. So it's like a four mana six drop that I got an extra card out of. That's like very subtly you're gaining all kinds of card advantage there. I do like that. Yeah. And I mean, the reason I love Unearth is because it allows you to go super hard on self mill. One of the decks that traditionally has like played in that space is like the self mill lands deck with, you know, Slogurks or whatever else. Maybe there's something there where, okay, I'm going to mill myself as hard as I can. I know I'm going to eventually hit my perennial behemoth with a full graveyard of land. So what do I need to have him play? Like maybe some extra land play effects like Azusa's or something like that. I just unearth the behemoth and play like three lands at once. I would really love to see this in like a, in legacy deck lands just because of what exactly that described. That would be so fun. But I started thinking about the Neoform or like Pile of Hero shenanigans, and I really struggled to find like there's no six mana beasts that are decent for Pile of Heroes. That's correct. I checked. I checked. We both checked. Sadly, Carnage Tyrant is a dinosaur. But besides that, you only have Neoform. What are you Neoforming for? Like using this body? Alright. I did a whole search at lunch today. I'm glad you asked that question. Rurik Thar is awesome. So that's the, that's the one of, I don't know if you want to main deck it or not. That card beats Phoenix by itself and is very good against red, black. And if anyone's still playing uh, <laughs> Lotus Field, it's totally unbeatable. The other six drop options are not great. You can get the, the five, four menace card that destroys a creature and you gain life equal to its toughness. You can get the six, six werewolf that makes two wolves. Um, and then if it's night when it attacks, uh, makes wolves. 
And that's about it. <laughs> Not enough. If only this was CMC6, right? Well, so that's what I was thinking is maybe you have to play this also with Delve cards and then you're also going to have the option to Neoform one of those like six drop Delve cards into uh, a Titan or an Agent of Treachery. Or, or like the, uh, the three blue, blue, green, green worm that makes three, uh, three, three worm every turn. So maybe you can just have like the full package and you just like find whichever one of those matters. Hmm. That would be super fun. One last artifact that I think is worth some consideration. Portal to Phyrexia. So I'm always looking for something super impressive to cheat into play. Whether that's shape anew in my case, I've yet to find a good payoff for that. Or something more traditional like uh, Refurbish. We need something huge that impacts the board, that swings the game, that closes the game, and ideally does a little bit of disruption. And Portal to Phyrexia might be that card. It's nine mana, it's an artifact. When Portal to Phyrexia enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices three creatures, so there's your disruption. Okay, now how do you win? Well, at the beginning of your upkeep, Portal of Phyrexia says put target creature card from any graveyard onto the battlefield under your control and it becomes a Phyrexian. So you just get to rebuy a creature once every turn. If I'm not mistaken, this card is in present-day magic. Like, it's not part of the time travel from the ferry. This is, like, what's actually happening. Oh, God. That, 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 that would explain the flavor text. Or maybe it isn't, maybe this is just the portal in the past as early Yogmoth Shenarians. But I hope it's in the present. I'm gonna get corrected by this by someone in the Discord. I always get called out. <laughs> yeah, Armageddon was not printed in 1994, Mord. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I have read the correction. I know when I'm personally attacked. I know, I know. <laughs> I always get called out. I, I never get a I, I never get a free pass. Actually, I earn a lot of free pass because I claim so many, so many things that are completely bullshit that I get a pass in most of them. But some of them I just can't let through. So, David, what do you think about the portal? This card's very similar to God Pharaoh's Gift, right? Yeah. It, it's an expensive artifact. The type of ways you might put it into play. Not most people don't like the refurbished version of God Pharaoh's Gift. That's a version I've liked. Most people play the three-man artifact that cheats that into play. It's much better the turn it comes into play for exactly the reasons that Dan outlines. It's much worse with all the cheap creatures you're normally playing to enable your God Pharaoh's gift because this does not easily win the game. It helps you not die, though. So it, I'm, I'm a little torn. I think it's also much worse. Like With God Pharaoh's gift, eventually you do get to seven mana and hard cast it. Nine is so much more than seven. You're very unlikely to ever hit that number. But I think... It is powerful enough that we should consider a full rebuild to a refurbished version of a Portal to Phyrexia deck. I think it's worthy of considering, like, from the ground up, rebuilding the entire deck and seeing if seeing what we, what we can do. I mean, it's like a wrath. It's it's more of a wrath than anything else, right? It's more of a wrath than Godfrey's gift, well, but also makes all the small creatures in your deck a lot worse to reanimate. So you rely a bit more on your opponent having real cards. Yeah, and it is any graveyard. So if yeah. your opponent is playing creatures, like you can get back their crocs every turn, right? And just <laughs> F with them. I think if it weren't for the any graveyard clause, this would be worse than Shippishi. But it's that being on the middle that makes it a little more interesting. 
Like, also, just getting cards of your opponent's deck is or graveyard is really relevant against multiple decks. Getting back their Phoenix is fine against mono green, getting like creatures out of their graveyard so they can't uh, get them back with their elemental. Uh, like I mentioned, Croxa. There's other cards with escape. Um, so, yeah, that's that's way more than trivial. I actually agree. This card is super interesting. Might be better than Godfarrow's Gift, but only time will tell, I think. I mean, Godfarrow's Gift right now sees zero play, so if it's not better than Godfarrow's Gift, it's not playable. All right, how do we do, gentlemen? Any cards that we missed? Did we cover all of the three and above cards that are relevant? I think we might I have. I think we did. The command soul sack, Ursa's command is probably unplayable. I'm not going to talk about. Ho oh, I thought you were going to talk to the. Uh, you give us your uh, two cents on the green command, the playable one. It's not playable. Oh, I thought you said one was playable. I thought you meant the green one. The blue one isn't. The blue one doesn't suck as much. <laughs> so I thought we were going to talk about the black factor fiction. I actually thought we were reading that card when we accidentally read the one that donates the artifact. <laughs> <laughs> I got them confused in my head. I thought the Black Factor Fiction is actually kind of interesting. No. All right, Dan, tell us about Hostile Negotiation. Three in a black instant. Exile the top three cards of your library into a face-down pile. Then exile the next three cards from your library into a, a second face-down pile. You take a look at the cards, look at all of them, and then you choose one of your face-down piles, flip it face-up. Now it's your opponent's turn. They see your three face-up cards and your three face-down cards. They have to choose a pile. That pile goes to your hand and the other goes to your graveyard. You lose three life. So my biggest problem with this card, I'm going to say it right now, is how low the floor is. It's super similar to draw, in both scenarios, the worst three out of the top six cards in your deck. In a lot of cases. Drawing the worst three? Oh, because yeah. your opponent can just soul read you and they, they will see immediately. No, no, it's, it's not a soul read. It's the fact you're not able to determine the piles yourself. So as long as the piles are not evenly distributed randomly, you're always going to lose. Because if you show two spells and a land, they're going to give you the other. If you show three spells, you're going to get the other. If you show three lands, you're going to get the other. If you show two lands, you're going to get that one. So unless... And worst case scenario, you get three and three, and you always lose. Three lands, three spells, you lose. The fact you cannot bake the piles yourself puts you in the super awkward spot where an uneven distribution in the number of threads makes it immediately so you are automatically drawing lands. So if someone casts this card against you, you should keep in mind that they didn't make the piles. And that if That's they the show you th part. three good cards, just bin those three immediately. That's the three good cards. Okay, they're trying to trick you. <laughs> if they show you three good cards, either they got six good cards, or they got three good ones that are showing to you. Or more importantly, when, cho when someone shows you two cards, the chances of them bluffing three good cards is close to zero. Okay, I see what you're saying. So you're saying there's nothing here. Even with putting in the graveyard, there's just nothing here. I think there might be something. Like, it could see maybe fringe play. I don't think it's a great card just because of how long the floor might be. You really need the cards being milled to be relevant. Because of exactly that, the fact... If I was able to look at the cards, interact with the piles, and even if I was forced into making two three-card piles... Like, I don't care about that. It's not the fact or fiction part of you can make four and one or three and two. It's the, I, I don't care about making three and three. It's the fact they come 
randomize as three and three. Makes all any sort of mind game is not there. It's a statistics game, actually. There's no mind games. It's statistic. You didn't hit five spells. If you showed me two spells, you're bluffing. You got one in the other or zero. <laughs> if you show me one spell, yeah, you're taking that one. There's no mind games while your opponent has a decision. That's my big issue with it. Also, bolting your face. Well, you don't you don't know if they need lands though. You don't know if they need lands. If you're playing a four mana instant that pulls your face to get lands, please be my guest. That's my problem with it. Alright, I'm excited to do that. <laughs> I, I I mean my problem is I'm comparing this. I bowl my face just to so, feel something. <laughs> this is my issue. I think this is worse than memory deluge if you have access to blue. It's worse than Shadow Prophecy. So that's probably not a good sign. Yeah, but even comparing with so let's say same cost, you don't need domain, you don't need anything. Memory Deluge. So, 4 CMC, similar spell. I would rather cast a Deluge than this. Unless I'm really using my graveyard. Fair enough. And if I'm not playing Deluge, then I would rather play the 5 mana sorcery spell, because I'm on Mono Black, whose name I can't remember. Alright, so nothing for hostile negotiation. The Discord is all over it. I have been arguing with people on the Discord the past four hours about this. Our Discord loves this. I'm the only hater for this card for so far. So everyone jump on the Discord, yell at Mord, join join the populist movement. Join the revolution, join the Vox Populi. Sweeping the nation. Exactly. All right, so I think that does it then for our set review for the Brothers' War. Yeah, exciting set. I think there's lots of cool uh, synergistic pieces. Uh, I kind of agree with Dan. Most of the big flashy build arounds aren't that interesting, especially in the non-rotating formats. But I think there's a lot of uh, role players that are going to be uh, making themselves felt in the first few weeks of the of the uh, rotation. A hundred percent. Especially at one and two mana. Go back and listen to the previous episode. That's the good stuff. <laughs> yes, lots of lots of playable cards there. All right, gentlemen, take care. Thanks, everybody. Have a nice night. Bye bye. That's a wrap on this edition of the Faithless Brewing Podcast. Tune in next time as we count down the top five cards of the set and kick off our Brothers War Brewing season. Support for this podcast is provided by brewers like you. Join the Faithless family and help support the show at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing for Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.